will know. Thank you so much for joining us. This is Carolina Roll Call, and my name is Shakoria McCall. And today I have South Carolina Superintendent candidate Ellen Weaver is going to talk to us a little bit about her role, why she's running, and who she is as a person. And so, you know, this has been almost a year and a half since we did a podcast. So, you know, it is it is something that I'm so excited to start back and just to start back with my friend Ellen. It just makes it even so much special. So we'll dive in and I'll let you kind of introduce yourself. Absolutely, Shakari. Well, it's great to be with you today. And I'm honored to be the uh, first guest on the reemergence of this uh, this awesome podcast. Um, but my name is Ellen Weaver. Uh, like you said, I'm running for state superintendent of education. I am originally from Greenville, South Carolina. I live in Columbia now. And I've worked for about the last 20 plus years in <clears throat> public policy and specifically education policy here in Columbia over the last decade. And I know you and I had said, you know, why, why are you running? What is it about this job that attracts you? And, and it really is that I, I'm tired of excuses for failure. We're leaving too many of our kids behind. I mean, when two thirds of our kids are not able to read and do math on grade level, they're missing those foundational skills that we know um, you have to have in order to be successful in life. I mean, a great education is the foundation of the American dream. And, and too, too many of our kids in South Carolina can't have that dream because they aren't getting a good education. And, 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 and I've been on the front lines here in Columbia seeing the dysfunction of the system. I wanna be really clear Clear. We have awesome teachers. We have great people who are working in our schools, but the system itself just is not set up in a way that allows success for many of our children. So that's why I'm running and a, and a little bit about who I am. So we, we've dived into two of my questions. So we'll, we'll jump in right into the most important stuff. And so some of the biggest concerns, one in South Carolina that we see is testing. Um, will some of the standardized testing be lessened for students? And is that something that your administration will kind of focus on? What, I, what we've got to do is, is align our testing system to make sense. Right now, there is just too much testing. And a lot of it, unfortunately, is being driven by federal mandates. And so we're going to have to figure out how we can work um, around some of that in some ways, but I know there's a lot of testing that is also uh, imposed at the district level. And so I think what we have to do is just have a conversation. Let's sit down, let's see what tests students are doing. Um, let's determine why they're doing them and what use they actually have to impact classroom instruction. Because at the end of the day, that's what really matters, right? Like, are we able to use these tests to help teachers teach their students better. That is the purpose of this testing. And so, um, you know, we've got a lot of work to do and you're right, that's a huge area that we need to look at. And so when we're talking about testing, testing more so for students, um, obviously, but one of the biggest things too is our teachers and paperwork. How did we lessen the burden where teachers are able to teach more rather than feel like secretaries and they can put more time with students? 
That's a great question. And we know that like, there's just way too much red tape in our system. Um, our education law in South Carolina, Title 59, it is so full of dead wood. I mean, old programs and things that at one point in time might've made sense, but now it's just like you said, kind of a millstone around the neck of our teachers. And so we've got to go through that line by line, sit down and talk with the stakeholders in the system and say, how can we clean this up? How can we eliminate this duplicative paperwork? Um, because you're right. I mean, all the teachers that I talk to around this state, they say, well, you just let me teach. I just want to teach my kids. Um, and so that's their heart cry. That's their passion. And I want to figure out at the state level how we can empower them to do that. So, you know, one thing in South Carolina that I think we see, and I think we're, you know, I'm trying to make sure we, I'm in a place where we're not going from subject to subject, but this is so important. You know, in South Carolina, the biggest focus, especially in the governor's administration, is those students who aren't trying to go to college, you know, and they're trying to do a two-year program and they're trying to go into the workforce. How can you implement and encourage those students who want to get an educate to take accountability for their education, whatever that may be? Well, I think, you know, there's, that's a huge question. That is a Absolutely. huge question. So yeah. I'm going to try to give you a, a, a short answer because I know we don't have all day to be here. But um, I think that engaging students in their education starts with making sure they have those basic skills they need in the early grades, namely Absolutely. reading. Um, so we have got to get back to teaching phonics in those early grades. And I have seen movement over the last few years in that direction. I think that's absolutely critical because we know that if students aren't reading on grade level at the end of third grade, they are going to continue to fall further and further and further behind in their academic studies. And so then you end up with them in eighth and ninth and 10th grade, and they're just totally checked out, right? Because they can't do the work. So those basic skills in the early grades are absolutely critical. But I think when, when, when I think about what <clears throat> inspired me in my own life and to take ownership of my own education, it was seeing examples of adults and understanding how the learning that I was doing had application in the real world. And so I think we have got to have an army of mentors in our school. I'm actually going to be uh, with Senator Tim Scott later today. Um, and he talks all the time about the mentor, John Moniz, who stepped into his life and showed him why it mattered that he paid attention in school. And so I really think that, 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 inspiring students um, with personal example so that they can see the, the practical application of what they're learning in the real world is really critical. You know, I think, you know, just to let's go back on that a little bit to talk about mentors. So one of the biggest concerns, especially in a rural community that I grew up in, is parent support. So how can we increase that aspect of parent support and mentoral support in our schools? Well, engaging parents in their children's education is, is essential, absolutely essential. We know that, that teachers are the number one driver of learning in the classroom, but we know that those students are living outside of the classroom the majority of their lives. They're at home during the summer. And so engaging the family in the learning process is the only way we're ever going to overcome some of these education obstacles that we have faced here in South Carolina. And I'll tell you, um, I believe that our education system has actually put up barriers 
to parent involvement. We use jargon and acronyms and, you know, all this technical mumbo jumbo. And, and there are parents who are working two and three jobs just to keep food on the table. And they don't have time to try to weed through all the stuff that gets thrown at them. So I think we've got to be much more clear in our communication. I think we have to create a welcoming environment that invites these parents in. Um, I've, I know a lot of times children who are struggling, their parents may have been struggling through the education system and their grandparents before them. And so they see the education system as a place of maybe shame or embarrassment or stress. Um, and so figuring out how we break down those cultural perceptions of education by, by loving them, engaging them, inviting them to be partners in the process instead of talking down to them, I think is really, really critical. Um, and I think there are also things that we can do um, at a practical level. Like I look at what they're doing at the Meeting Street schools down in Charleston. You know, they are doing personal finance classes for some of their parents. Um, helping their parents get on track to get a GED, if that's something that they aspire to. So, you know, the K-12 education system can't solve the breakdown of the family that we have seen in the culture around us. But what we can do is invite collaborators into the education system to help build bridges to empowering families and to supporting families um, with the skills that they need. And, you know, I know you mentioned um, Senator Scott, and I know for Senator Scott, one of the biggest things for him, as well as Lieutenant Governor um, Pamela Evett, is the aspect and the governor's administration to focus on school choice. What does school choice mean to you? And what does that look like for South Carolina with you as superintendent of education? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm a fan of school choice because I'm a product of school choice. Uh, my parents sacrificed to send me to a small Christian school. I was homeschooled from sixth to 10th grade, and then I graduated from an awesome public school. I was there 11th and 12th grade. So I've had kind of the full gamut of experiences in my own personal life. And I have seen how I needed different things at different steps in my education journey. And I'm so grateful that my parents made the sacrifices that it took to get me that education. I want that to be accessible for every child in our state. I believe that when we talk about public education, we aren't just talking about a system of buildings and buses. We're talking about a value. Um, and, and, that, and that value to me is that every student gets into an education environment where they can learn best. And it's not just about the students, honestly, it's about teachers too. Um, we need a market for teacher talent. Teachers thrive in different settings and different cultures. There are some really gifted teachers who teach online. Um, there are some who love a Montessori model or who might be better in a charter school or in a traditional public school. Um, and so choice is really about lifting up everyone. Um, it's giving parents power to decide what is best for their children, because I fundamentally believe that a parent is always going to be the best advocate Absolutely. for their child. 
Um, and so that's what school choice is all about, empowering parents, giving students the flexibility to get into the, the, the environment that they need and, and giving teachers professional opportunities and options for their own, their own careers. So as superintendent, I will, I will be a vocal supporter, continue to be a vocal supporter of all forms of school choice, um, charter schools, public schools, magnet schools, home schools, private schools, you name it. And I believe we can all work together to create a flourishing education ecosystem instead of this kind of zero sum conversation that we have right now, where it's just like all this or all that. I'm like, that's not how it has to be. And, and we know it doesn't have to be like that because school choice is working in other states. I mean, you look at a state like Florida that has some of the oldest and largest school choice programs in the country and their public school students were behind South Carolina in 1998 and they are now leading the nation. Um, and so choice, choice works, it works for everybody. Um, and so I, I hope we continue to see that grow here in South Carolina and, and I'll continue to be a vocal supporter. And, and Ellen, I think is, you know, we're getting really close to the end, but I think it's important that we, um, explain what school choice is, especially in South Carolina, because we have become so partisan divided that sometimes it's hard to kind of get the ideas of, you know, parents are already choosing what's best for their children, you know, and those who at some aspects can afford it can send their student, their kids to the schools they want and students that are in the rural communities in the cor corridor shame, some of them are maybe getting left behind. So it's a huge opportunity for parents to have opportunities to send their students and their their kids to places that will help them you know do well because every student learns differently and that's they right that's right and i think you know you brought up a great point about rural communities so one of the things that you'll hear opponents of school choice often say is well you know it's great in theory but we don't have options in some of our rural communities so so how does that work and what we've seen happen in other states is that when you create the funding mechanism for new school supply to grow, it does. And so, I mean, there are so many different innovations that we've seen in the last five years, micro schools, learning pods, um, things that could really flourish in a rural community. Um, you know, we have churches that are sitting in every community in this state that are sitting empty during the week that would have classroom space for these kind of innovative models. Um, and there are churches around the state that are actually starting to step up into this space. So, uh, you know, I think really the sky is the limit. And, and it's true that there aren't always options right now in rural communities, but there will never be options in rural communities until we make it possible for there to Absolutely. be. <laughs> Absolutely. And so I, I only have actually two questions for you. So one of the biggest things, and I know is a, um, you know, we see people promising this actually running on a county council level, you know, and it's teacher pay, you know, that, you know, I say that jokingly, but what is some ways that you plan to support teachers if that is teacher pay, if that is less lessening testing? What is your focus day one saying this is what I'm going to do to help teachers? Well, we are going to fight to get South Carolina to the national average in teacher pay. We've made good progress over the last few years in getting ourselves to the southeastern average. That's a great step, but it's not sufficient. So I think there is so much money in education right now that is currently not being well spent. People ask me all the time, is education underfunded? I said, no, it's not underfunded. It's misfunded. We're spending money on things that aren't priorities. And, and teachers and students have to be our number one priority. 
priority. Um, so I will fight to increase teacher pay, but as you know, it's not just pay. Um, it is a cultural issue in so many of these schools, just a toxic negative culture um, where teachers feel like they are not supported um, because you know discipline is not enforced. Um, they send people down to the office. I mean, some of the things that I've heard from teachers just has broken my heart about them being hit, kicked, bitten, spit on, cursed at, you know, threatened. Um, that should not be. And so I think figuring out how we get a hold of discipline in our schools, how we support administrators to support their teachers in the classroom is going to be absolutely critical because there are so many of these intangible things that go beyond pay. And then one of the things that we already talked about, we've got to figure out how to get rid of some of this red tape and paperwork. We know that a lot of it is not necessary. We've got to roll it back. And my last question, you know, you know, I've known you for a while and, you know, and I think one of the things, too, that we've seen in this election and, you know, I didn't we didn't really see it more so before the runoff than we've seen it more. You know, your opponent has hit you over and over on qualifications. You know, how do you respond um, to to your opponent's aspect of that? Absolutely. And thank you for the opportunity to just level with people and 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 get the facts out there because unfortunately it's just been a whole lot of smoke and mirrors i learned a long time ago when people can't beat you on policy and politics they just try to create confusion about the process so i just want to be very clear i am fully qualified as a candidate i have been certified by the south carolina republican party to run as a candidate I am in the process of completing my master's degree. I'll be finished with that in October of this year. Um, and so I will be fully qualified to assume the office of superintendent when I'm elected. Um, there have been some just really fundamental mistruths that the other side has told um, about how election law in South Carolina works. They're trying to scare people and say, oh, you know, it's going to default to a Democrat or a judge is going to pick our next superintendent. I mean, that's just those are straight up lies. That's not how election law in South Carolina works. And so I want your viewers to be fully assured I am working my tail off um, to get this master's degree done. And, and honestly, I hope that they will understand that this is just one more token of my commitment to give this job everything that I've got, because we have got to do things differently in South Carolina. We can't continue to just keep electing people who have been part of the status quo for decades and think that anything is ever going to change. Um, we see states around us that are moving forward, that are innovating on behalf of their children and their parents and their teachers. So we know it can be done, but we've got to bring that kind of perspective and that kind of energy to South Carolina. And that is why I am running because I am tired of the excuses. I am tired of us kicking the can down the road. And so um, I am fully committed to, to be fully qualified for this, uh, this job and, and I will be uh, this fall and am excited for tomorrow. I really am. The energy on the ground has just been palpable over the last couple of weeks. I think people are starting to understand exactly what I was just talking about, which is there is a very clear choice here between forward-looking fresh energy and more of the same. We can't afford more of the same. And my, you know, my last statement, it kind of closes out. So I kind of like to go from the politics and talk about you know, something that we we share, 
So one of the biggest things for me is, you know, we do food we like, we do places we like to visit. And so, you know, we'll do our kind of favorite places in South Carolina to visit. So today I'm here in Camden at the Mulligan Law Firm. Um, that one of the biggest things for them, as well as you know, is South Carolina 7, where they focus on educating the state about the cool environmental changes in South Carolina, here in the country, and with Tom Mulliken, the world, you know, and so I'm so happy to be here. And so I wanted to share that with you and see what was your favorite place in South Carolina to be. Oh, that's tough. But I have to tell you, so I'm a Greenville girl. And there is nothing to me like the mountains. When I drive up 385 into downtown Greenville, there's an exit at the Pleasantburg um, exit there where it's kind of you come up over a hill and then you see the mountains just stretched out in front of you. And so that's how that's how I know I'm home <laughs> in the upstate when I see those beautiful, those beautiful Blue Ridge Mountains. So I love it. My parents actually live up in a little area called Traveler's Rest which was called that because that's where um, settlers would stop before they started their journey up into the Blue Ridge Mountains. So it's a beautiful, beautiful area of the state. But, you know, honestly, we have such an amazing place here in South Carolina. Um, the, 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 the variety of geography that we have, the incredible resilience of our people. I mean, this is just an awesome state to call home. It really is. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us. And I am so excited for you and looking forward to what the next stop is for you. Thank you. It's great to be on today.